Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. How y'all doing this morning? We gonna have some fun today. We gonna have some fun today. I know you're still coming back into your, you know, awakeness and your alertness after that beautiful center in prayer. Thank you. Today's message is called Identity Without Parameters. Identity is such a crucial topic because it's something that we all have. (laughs) And it's actually the derivation of all of our problems, both individualistically and systemically in this world. All the problems we encounter come back to a problem of identity. But before I go further, I'd actually like to pray. Close your eyes for me just for a second, please. Lord, we thank you and we love you. So many times, Lord, I come to you and I ask you and I beg you to alter limitations that I perceive outside of me. The limitations that I think my reality are imposing on me. But today, Lord, I ask you for but one thing. And I ask you, to imbue me with the wisdom to stop limiting myself. I ask you that you would allow me in this moment and in this space to be a limitless vessel because I'm speaking to a limitless God. And I don't want that which you have to bring through me to your people over the course of this next 35 minutes. I don't want that limitless goodness, that limitless energy, that limitless faith, that limitless restorative power of God to be limited by a limited vessel. So I simply ask you to get this clay fool out of your way so that your work can be done in this place. We love you, amen. Hey, see, there's a reason why I'm doing that. Stop anticipating my next word. This isn't a speech. This isn't an epic talk. We're having a conversation. We're family. We're family sitting together in our Sunday family reunion. So like relax a little bit. We're having a good talk today. You know, this thing about identity without parameters, the way we see ourselves has so much more of an impact on the life we experience than we actually realize. And again, I'm going to tell you this for a second time. All of the cyclical 
events, all of the cyclical issues that we deal with in this world come from an issue of identity. Stop and think about this for a second. Adolf Hitler was not German. Adolf Hitler was Austrian. Adolf Hitler was short and small in stature. Now, no disrespect to my short kings. Y'all are short kings, you know what I'm saying? But just hear the psychological impact of these things. He was small in stature. He came from a lower class. And he could not even identify as a thoroughbred German. He was Austrian. Think about, hey, what's up, Brian? I love that dude. I have to say whatever real quick, my fault. But <laughs> think about all of the limiting self-perceptions. Think about the level of inadequacy and perceived insecurity that a person has to feel when they're coming from, bless you, they're coming from a low-class space. They're living in a country where they can't even identify as a thoroughbred of one of the people. He's not German. And we see what he did. We see what he orchestrated, the self, the, the hate that came out of him. What he imposed on the world and what he imposed on the Jews was a representation of his inner identity issue. And so what happens when we put parameters around our identity, when we limit ourselves, we put ourselves in a box, it not only weakens us, it not only causes us to do things that are very unconscious, but it also stops us from being what we're actually designed to be, which is limitless. We are powerful, but we can only experience that power to the degree that we allow that power to grow and expand and exist within us. That's why we say, Lord, allow me to decrease as you increase. Get the, get the parameters out of the way. I got this mind that confines my limitations. It confines my capacity. Get me out of the way because I want you to express your limitless greatness, your limitless power through me. Y'all following me? So what are the two impacts that happen when we impose parameters on our identity? We address one of them, is that it limits how we operate, it limits how we navigate and how we perform and how we behave, it limits the outcomes that we can get, but it also limits the reality that we experience. Now think about this. I can only notice God in the world to the degree that I notice God in myself. I can only notice God in the world to the degree that I notice God in myself. If I'm imbued with self-hate and self-criticism, and I think that, you know, my body's breaking down, that everything's out to get me, what am I going to look out into the world and see? Am I going to see a loving world and experience a hateful and hated self? So even that which I experience is rooted in my identity. 
It's rooted in the limits I put on myself. Have you ever noticed people that are always in drama? Like always in drama. And when you see them, you say, hey, how you doing? You try to start a nice conversation and then the next thing you know, they start telling you about somebody that cut them off and this person that ran into them at Publix and they got into a shouting match and you're like, how are you always shooting the fade with somebody? Like how are you always having an issue with somebody? And you're trying to think, like, I haven't had that many conflicts in the last three months. Is it really just that you just happen to always, like, drive into gang territory or something? Like, what's going on? But that person's identity, that person's self-perception, their beliefs, all those things that create their identity are being imposed onto their reality. But now a much more practical aspect for many of us, because, I mean, Ain't none of us in gangs, you know, or at least as far as I know. Maybe Gabby. Gabby punches like she's in a gang, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all so funny. But think about this. How many things do you not do? How many pursuits have you not gone after? Because you said, no, I don't do that. No, that's not of me. No, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm a carpenter, I'm an engineer, I'm this. I'm not an artist. If my buddy, Dante Frizziello, who went to one of the top uh, uh, law schools in the country and started working for one of the top law firms in Washington, D.C., had he decided all I am is a lawyer, he'd still be miserable. Because I remember the day he called me crying, two years after he started working his multiple six-figure job, saying, man, I spent all that year and all all that time in law school, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, and now I'm here supposedly supposed to be working my dream job. But man, every day is hell. I hate it here and I'm depressed. That man made a decision. He said, if I allow the parameters of my identity to keep me in this experience, then I will never get beyond it. My reality won't change because I won't allow my identity to change. And one day that man got an opportunity because growing up he loved playing guitar. And has anybody here heard of the Steve Vai band? It's old school, it's all right, it's old school, old school. The Steve Vai band is like a legendary rock band, classic rock band. And he found out that somebody on the Steve Vai band that he knew, they needed someone to tune the guitars on the, on the tour. And so he got the opportunity to go on tour around the country with the Steve Vai band. Dante's like, I got $200,000 in debt. I got this big ritzy DC apartment that I gotta pay for. I got this nice car, whatever. He said, but this isn't me. This lawyer, this is one facet of me. Dante grew his hair out. He looks like a barbarian now, I love it started touring with the Steve Vai band, tuning the guitars, 
you know, living on a tour bus, doing all this stuff, whereas he was living in luxury. Now he's living on a tour bus, tuning guitars and, you know, staying up all night because he's touring with a rock band. One of the guitarists on the Steve Vai band ends up retiring towards the end of that tour. My friend Dante took his role. Now he is a guitarist for a rock band and he loves his life. That's getting out of the parameters. But you know, I got another really close person to me that's actually someone who's in the mental health profession. He's someone I've known for a very long time and he's always been really deep into mental health. But he actually grew up with a god brother that as the two of them were growing up, his godbrother was a brilliant rapper. And so he would go to the studio with his godbrother. He would listen to his godbrother and their friends, you know, rap and make these brilliant symphonic masterpieces on the mic. And he would just sit there and listen. But he would stare in the corner at that room where the mic was and fantasize about being in that room himself but he would never go in there. And when they'd ask him, hey man, jump on the mic, come on, let's, let's rap, let's do our thing. And he's like, nah, nah, man, that's y'all, that's y'all. Because he just identified as the friend. He didn't identify as someone who actually dabbled in music, but that's changed for him. And now mind you, I'm pretty biased because this is one of my close brothers, but he's pretty talented. And I'd actually like for you guys to hear him. If you want to fit in, God can't use you. But if you're willing to stand out and celebrate your uniqueness, God can do something. See, this is going to liberate some of you that never did fit in with anybody. You change your hair, they didn't like you. You change your clothes, they don't like you. You move neighborhoods and they don't like you. They're not supposed to like you. You're not called to fit in. You're called to stand out. And compilate all the complicated feelings encountered from living internal separation. I'd be remiss not to validate that it really hurts to have to conquer your mental muscle in isolation. You wanna decipher my message, huh? Patience. My habit is speaking parables in my conversation. True. Some of us really feel it. We're selling the ship of life alone and all we want's relation. Hey yo, I feel you, homie. It hurts you, feeling the broken relationship with the high you. You've been sinking in escapism, hanging loose, and yet you wondering why the two of you don't rendezvous. Do you exist in a position where you find yourself trying to look for purpose but keep avoiding your solo mission? It makes you sick, living a contradiction, you praying for newness but the truth is you have no conviction. Tell me why you scared, tell me what's holding you back, what are you running from? Is it the pain of the fact, tell me what's your solution? Because you fear isolation, you keep escaping your sacred journey to greatness. Tell me why you scared, tell me what's holding you back, what are you running to? Is it the truth or a trap, tell me what's your solution? When you embrace isolation, it can take you on your sacred journey to greatness. Open your number three eyelid, my words are hit like a lyrical miraculous missile, a manifestation of the medicinal. <laughs> 
Heavenly gospel, please don't be hostile Even though my delivery is no longer docile I promise I'm not attempting to force nothing on you Just sharing a clear perspective from which I do argue That your powerful potential is static and idle Every second that you waste to repeat in these cycles I can't stop speaking, I know that you're crying When you're laying down at night feeling nauseous Cause homie it's obvious, even when you hide it That sometimes you're feeling the sensation of dying Your cerebral is fire and violent attacks on you like a vicious lion So in those moments remember that we stand in divinity Boundless potential lessons of the infinity You're not called to fit in You're called to stand out <laughs> Some of you guys might know him I don't want to uh, put his name out there Because he, he gets a little shy, you know Y'all like it? First of all, let me say, Mario, the brilliant maestro that helped me create that song. Thank you, bro. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't know, because he sits back there all quietly. We got a genius back there. I'm about to do it to you, bro. We got a Grammy-nominated genius back there. Y'all don't know what we blessed with here at Hartwell. <laughs> so, firstly, I got a couple questions for you, and there's a reason why I shared that with you. But before I ask those questions, I just want to say to you that I'm not trying to be overdramatic but I rebuke every pattern of thinking where faith is lacking. Revive your magic. I'm seeing you synchronize. I'm ecstatic. Neuroplasticity, building conscious habits systematically. Like Inspector Gadget, your heart's expanding as if it's plastic. Enthusiastically, elevating spirit, mental muscle must be manic, sinking the devil's Titanic with knowledge so fresh and current and depth that is oceanic. I'm simply articulating that everything messianic you need is internal. The realization, very dramatic. We stand in divinity, embodying infinity. I'm leveraging my lyricism to serve my community. Unity is my aspiration. All of us royalty accepted you were separated so you could shine gloriously. You are set apart. Little message for y'all. <laughs> Now, my question is, how would your perception of that song, how would you have gone into listening to that song? How would your perception have been influenced if I told you beforehand that I made it? How would you have perceived that or anticipated that song if I'd told you, hey guys, I'm Ryan, Hey, I've been working on a song with Mario. This is my first song that I've ever made for you guys. I hope that you enjoy it. Come on, let's listen. <laughs> How would that have gone for you? Because I'm the psychologist. I'm the nutrition guy. I'm the bodybuilding guy. What correlation is there to Ryan and music or lyricism. I mean, my homies, like, I love all y'all, but like my fam fam, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they know I love words. Like, 
My mama loves words. I grew up loving words. I, I grew up loving penmanship. I grew up taking time writing in cursive and trying to make it look beautiful. I love words, but you guys don't associate me to music. If I'd agreed to that and simply accepted that representation of my identity, I would have never engaged in it. I would have never gotten in front of a mic for that reason. And as a result of me not allowing those parameters to limit me, I've gotten to step into the experience of a new plane. I got to observe God manifest in me in a new way. And now mind you, it's not just that I made, it's not just that Mario and I made that song. It's also that through doing it, it authentically changed my perception of the world. Because Mario is so knowledgeable about music and about sound production. And as we were making the song, he would show me other songs and he would show me the technicality and how much it takes to master a song and to actually keep it on beat and all of the things that are necessary to engineer a song to the point where you actually go and hear it. So much goes into it. And I was going to the gym right after we recorded our first session and I'm sitting there doing cardio. And suddenly I realized that all the music that I was listening to, I was listening to it with new ears. I was hearing the nuances, the details, the beauty. And I legitimately had a moment, I'm not being overdramatic, I legitimately had a moment where I said, oh my God, there is such a depth to this one facet of reality that I'd never noticed. Music was this one thing. Now the doors have been blown off. And it's like everything I'm hearing is a symphony. I'm like, my God. And I looked around and I said, wow, that's how everything is. That depth exists in everything in this world. And I've been walking blind to all of it except the things that relate to me and my identity. A month ago, I could have talked to you about the depth in psychology, the depth in emotion. I could have talked to you about the depth in nutrition and bodybuilding, but I couldn't talk to you about the depth in music. And that realization blew it off of me, but I'm simply saying that to say that it expanded the parameters of my identity through that experience, but I couldn't have gotten that, those expanded parameters had I not been willing to step outside of the Ryan that I already knew. 1 Corinthians, is it first or second, my fault? Yeah, I'm tripping, my bad. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you have the guts to become a new thing? Do you have the guts to look in the mirror and be willing to step outside of what you see in that moment? Are you willing to say, yes, I'm enough? I'm less than one thing. I'm less than the person I'm showing up as tomorrow. When I mess up, I'm willing to apologize. I'm willing to acknowledge my fault. But the one thing I say is, don't hold me to that mistake. 
Because if you blink too slowly, you're going to miss it. I'm going to turn. The second you blink, I might be another me the next second. I'm not limited to my transgressions. I'm not limited to my mistakes because I'm willing to become anew. And that's what this whole message is about. If, if you take one thing out of this message, it's that you can become anew. Because the reality that you're living is limited to your perception and belief about yourself. As long as you believe that you're limited, that you can't expand, that you can't grow, you're continuing to put pressure on the reality that God wants to expand for you. Do you know that we live in an expanding reality? Space is literally expanding at an alarming rate. And you're stopping yourself from experiencing it because you're not allowing yourself to be more. Talking this identity thing, I got three simple, swift questions that I want to give you guys to masticate on, to chew on, to think about today. Who do I perceive myself to be? I invite you, obviously you don't have to do this, but I invite you to get some time. Maybe sit down with a journal and write down all of the things that you use to identify yourself as. Maybe write down what you think you're really good at. Maybe write down what you think other people know you for. Maybe you'll write down your career. Write down all the things that you perceive yourself to be. And look at that list. And think about where you want to go and what you want to achieve in life. And see if in order to achieve those things, in order to get to those places, there's anything missing off that list. If the me that I stand as, that I perceive myself as, is actually capable of getting where I want to go. Because it's my identity that's going to, to determine my ability to get there. Not because God's limited by us. God can do anything with anybody. The scripture said that God said, I'll make the rocks cry out. Which is, the, I mean, he used ravens to bring manna to the people. We know that. So it's not about God being limited by our limitations. But... We have to have the vision to step. Oops. <laughs> we have to have the vision to move in that direction. Because God's saying, no, I can do that. I'm going to do that. But I need you to start walking over there. And you need to be able to see yourself as more than what you are right now. Because my truth is, I'm not, accept I'm not asking you to accept this. I'm saying my truth. My truth is, I'm forever worthy. I'm forever good enough. I'm forever accepted at my core identity, because my core identity is a child of God. But on the human level, I'm not good enough to get where I want to go. And I'm not asking you to internalize that. I'm saying for me, I'm being objective. I'm real with myself. I'm not good enough to get where I'm trying to go yet. But I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to reform the educational system in the United States. I'm going to do that. 
All I'm saying is don't show up at my house telling me to do it today. That's all I'm saying. Because if you do, I'm going to be like, I mean, not yet, brother. You know what I'm saying? I'm still, shoot, I'm still trying to finish my PhD. Like, what? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not going to reform the education system. I'm trying to reform myself. Shoot. Still got to pay off my loans and junk. You know? But one day, funny story for you. Not funny story, interesting story. There's a breed of grasshopper, lives in Africa, lives in a grassland in Africa. It's big grassland, and it rains very frequently in this climate. Because it rains so frequently, it's an enormous, full, rich grassland that's full of, that's full of little bugs. And this grassland is full of, specifically, grasshoppers. Because there's so much space in the grassland, because there's so many little bugs that the grasshoppers can eat, the grasshoppers multiply at an alarming rate. They have so much nourishment. They have so much space from which they can populate. They have such a relaxed and peaceful demeanor about them as a result. There comes a point throughout the year, though, that the rain dries up. And as the rain dries up, the grassland shrinks. And so now there's population tension. As the grassland shrinks, the greater population of grasshoppers now doesn't have as much food because all those little bugs have already gotten eaten up and or they've left the grassland. So now we've got this big population of grasshoppers in a really tense space and not enough food. What happens during this time in the season is that a particular gene gets activated within the grasshoppers. They change color, their hind legs get shorter and their front legs get longer. They grow wings they become incredibly violent and cannibalistic. And they start flying in the sky and become these vicious red cannibals. The grasshoppers have just become locusts. They literally shift from the peaceful grasshoppers to the flying cannibalistic locusts, which on one end, it's like, ew. That's nasty. Where is that in Africa? I ain't going there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the other aspect of it is, as a result of that gene activating and them flying in the sky and essentially becoming carnivorous in that way, they were able to survive. Because if they, if as that grassland was closing, if they never were able to fly, they would have died in the grassland. They wouldn't have become grasshoppers. Their identity changed. This is about identity change. We, as living beings on this planet, we're adaptation machines. The grasshoppers turn into locusts. But us, fortunately, we're not limited by our genes. We can turn into whatever we want to turn into. We just got to be able to believe it and step into it. And so since I've gone from humans to talking about grasshoppers, now let me come back to talking about humans. One of, my, one of the most fascinating things to me is learning about disorders. 
disorders in psychology. Because when you look at the specificities of a disorder, you learn about the parameters of the mind. You learn about the parameters of identity. And my favorite one to study, because it's the most fascinating to me, is dissociative identity disorder. A lot of people call it multiple personalities disorder, but it's actually DID. Dissociative identity disorder is a mental health condition characterized by the presence of two or more distinct personality states. These personalities control the individual's behavior at different times. Each personality has its own personal history, traits, likes, and dislikes. Depending on how the DID manifests in the person, they're going to have these different personality states that can show up. And now, mind you, these personality states come out, they are formed during youth in response to trauma. What happens is, let's say, for example, when a child under seven encounters a highly traumatic experience that they don't have the psychological capacity to manage, what can sometimes happen is their mind will create this alternate personality state, this alternate identity. And then identity is designed to be able to handle the trauma. And many people have many personality states. Now, mind you, this is a rare condition, but they can develop multiple personalities. And for, for many of the individuals who experience this, they'll have completely different, like, memory. Like a person can black out for three days, and then later on they realize that one of the other personalities was living out their life during those three days. I was listening to this interview online, um, I believe it was on MedHealth, but this woman was talking about how one of the personalities had a boyfriend that she'd never met. And this boyfriend, like, she would go and sleep over to her house, like, you know, she, she had no idea. They showed her a picture of this man. She said, I've never seen this man before in my life. Because she would black out and the other personality would take over. Now, here's the part that's really crazy. Different personality states can have different, can have different physiological issues. You can have one personality that has high blood pressure. You can have another personality with low blood pressure and diabetes. Diabetes, where they need to inject themselves with insulin on a daily basis. They need it medically to function. But when the other personality state takes over, they're not diabetic, diabetic anymore. That's crazy. Y'all tripping. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy. I was like, what do you mean? When I first read that, I'm like, listen, I understand this is a scholastic journal, but like, that's cap. Like, there's no way. There's no way. When you stop and you re... Okay, now I'm going to get hyped because y'all... When you stop and realize the fact that your physiology, your physical body can change in an instant, depending on the identity that you have in your mind, where's your identity? Where do you grasp it? What's the measurable aspect of your identity? You can't find it. There's this substrate, this energy behind the material that is the identity. 
that's impacting the material in real time. And so if the person with a disorder of identity can be having different physiology and different experiences and different memory, and by the way, they also have different temperaments, they also have different belief systems, one identity could, obviously it's the same person, so they gotta live in the same place. I was watching another interview where the guy was saying that like, he's like, me personally, I love it here. All I see when I'm here is nice people. Like everywhere I go, it's beautiful people. Then they switched to the other personality and the personality was like, oh, this place is full with robbers and haters and everybody's out to get me. Like the same spot, y'all go into the same grocery store, my G, talking to the same people. That guy's like, people are amazing here. The other one's like, people are terrible here. Imposing the identity on the reality. All of that to say something very simple. What's the reality that you're creating with how you perceive yourself to be? If the way you're living isn't up to par, maybe it's time to allow yourself to do a little rewiring. But we don't like to do the rewiring because that sounds nice when we're talking about it. Yeah, I'm gonna change my, my perception of self. But we don't realize how attached we are to parts of ourselves that are killing us. We believe certain things and those beliefs are really making our life stressful as all hell. But we don't wanna let go of them. We don't wanna let go of people. Oh, come on now. We don't wanna let go of people because we've built an attachment to them. We've embedded them in our identity. I identify with loving this person. And so because I've identified with the person, if I get rid of the person, if I separate from the person to become anew, I feel like I've lost part of me. So I'm not thinking about becoming anew, I'm actually thinking about becoming less. And so my fear is overpowering my motivation. Identity without parameters. Where are the parameters in here? Who do I perceive myself to be? And then, next question. If I were able to put on different identity traits like a mask, what other traits would I add to myself? The way that I like to think about this is, well, first, let me repeat it. If I were able to put on different identity traits like a mask, if I could add traits to myself, like stats in a video game. Some of the ladies still looking at me crazy, and the dudes are like, oh yeah, 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 I got you now, bro. Okay, facts, facts. So you mean it like, like Grand Theft Auto? Okay, yeah, yeah. If you could add identity traits, what traits would you add? The way I like to do this is I start off with saying, what life changes would I like to make? And like, obviously it's a beautiful thing to say, but like not that frou-frou stuff, oh, I'd like to be happier. No, like measurable changes. Where would you like the change and what would you like the change to be? Something I've learned doing education for the past few years, you can't make the change if you don't identify it. Where are you going? Measure it, what's the metric? What's the metric? What do you want the change to be by how much and when? What do you want the life change to be? Now. What personal attributes would I need to be able to create those changes? The way I like to say it is, 
What version of me could do that? What version of me could do that? I want to be a successful business person. Okay, how successful? How many people do you see in that business? How many employees do you see? Okay, now what version of you is the one who can actually sit in that office and run that thing? Because once you do, now you got people whose families are dependent on how you show up. So at that point, it's not just about being Mr. CEO. No, 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 now you actually gotta live Mr. CEO. What attributes do I need in order to step into that? Second to last low point, it's quick and then we are gonna close. It's a brother named Dr. Eric Thomas. Dr. Eric Thomas used to eat out of trash cans. He was poorer than poor, grew up in the, grew up in the hood hood. And he was a 20-something-year-old man eating out of trash cans. I don't know what switched. I don't know what happened. But this man said, I need to change my life. I'm eating out of this trash can right now. But I'm not trash. I feel like it. I'm living like it. But I'm not trash. That man didn't even have a GED. That man went and got his GED. He would have to sit there and study and study and study to pass the classes that we passed in our freshman year of high school. That man went and got his GED. Did you hear the name that I referred to him as when I first spoke? His name's Dr. Eric Thomas. Come on. That man was in his 20s with no GED, broke eating out of trash cans. Now he's in his 40s and he's referred to as Dr. Eric Thomas making millions, traveling the world, speaking and motivating people. His identity changed. And as a result of his identity changing, he got to make a bigger impact in the world around him. His wife that he later on married as MS, multiple sclerosis, and all the pain and suffering she had to go through that. When they were sitting up in the, in the room, in the hospital room, when they told him and his wife, that she had MS, and everybody the family stuff started crying, he said, okay, how much the medication cost? Okay, how much is this, how much is that? And then the doctor said to his wife, who loved being a nurse, he said, you won't be able to be a nurse anymore. And she broke down crying. She said, what are we gonna do? We can't afford the medication. We can't, I, I can't work now. I got MS, like what's going on? Eric Thomas got up and he said, Doc, add that up. How much would it take to pay for that medication over 30 years? He looked at his wife. He said, how much do you make a year? She told him. He said, okay. Now add that. Let's figure out what that is times 30. He got a number. He said, okay. So this is how much it takes to pay for your medication over 30 years. This is how much it takes to cover the money that you would have made nursing over the next 30 years. Okay, there's a number, boom. I'm gonna get me a check with that number on it. And he did it. He said, here you go, baby. You remember them numbers we was talking about? Don't worry about that no more, it's done. It's done. The type of power you have to have in your identity to hear that your wife has MS and she's about to she can't work anymore, and you got to pay all this stuff. And he looked at that situation. He said, how much I need for that? Okay, let's go get it. 
he was able to do that through the power of his identity that he developed and being able to get himself out from eating off that trash can. The power he developed from learning how to switch, he used that to change his wife's life. So I'm saying that to say to you, you developing an identity where the parameters are let go, the parameters are expanded, you becoming a bigger you, you get to make a bigger impact. You get to make a bigger impact. God can use you for bigger things. And I don't know about you, but that's the only reason I'm here. That's the only reason I'm here. I want to be used. I want to be useful. I want to be able to look at people I love and say, what you need? Here, that's twice that much. There you go. I want to be able to see that person. When I was at Publix the other day, and there was a woman, that woman sitting there with her child, and she's sitting there staring and seeing the numbers going up. You know when, when a person is ringing the, ringing the food up and stuff, and they staring at the numbers? This wasn't no big deal. I could reach in, reach in my pocket and give that person $100. And that woman dang near bust out crying right there. I ain't saying that for me. Forget the fact that I did that. But the point of the matter is, five years ago, when I didn't have no job, and I was so broke I couldn't even pay attention. <laughs> now, mind you, my parents always helped me out. You know what I'm saying? Thanks to them, God bless them. I ain't never had to deal with you know, the struggles that come along with being broke. But I was broke. I was well-educated and broke. I had a master's degree, and I had not mastered my bank account. I wouldn't have been able to take out that $100 and give that person, and not think nothing of it. I expanded in a small way, but for me, that was a big moment, because I always wanted to be able to do that. Identity without parameters. And so I leave you with this. How could a broadened perspective of myself make life better for me? If I could broaden my perception of self, if I could actually not say it, not think it, but experience worthiness, experience what it is to feel enoughness in myself, to not have to have such a reactive self-perception where I'm looking for people to validate me, because if they don't validate me, that I don't feel valid. No, I'm valid whether you acknowledge me or not. I'm blessed and highly favored. If you're not feeling me, that's cool. But guess what? I'm feeling me. Er day. Er day. So live with identity without parameters. I love you guys. Thank you so much. We thank you, Hartway. We love you. Have a great day. Get your, your, no, I'm playing. I'm not about to rap. Bye.